my friend. Thanks so much for coming out. I tell you what, I'm going to let you find a nice calm station to play while we hang out here by the fire. I'm going to run back inside and get the carafe of coffee. I'll be right back. Hey, you're listening to Guat.Rocks, God, the world, and other things. I'm Kenny Price, your host. Our mission, advancing equilibrium in the midst of an agitated world. Hey, this is Season 17, Episode 363. Title, The Trees. Subtitle, Opt-in for Creation, Not Climate Change. The Da Bears. Sketches were a popular part of Saturday Night Live for many years, and they helped to make Bill Swirsky one of the most show's beloved characters at that time. Swirsky's passion for the Bears was infectious, and his catchphrase, The Bears, became a popular rallying cry for Bears fans around the world, even in the most unlikely of situations. My friend, what I'm talking about today is the trees. In Psalms 104.16, it talks about the cedars of Lebanon, which God has planted. The cedars of Lebanon are a rich and powerful symbol in the Bible. They remind us of God's creative power and strength, perpetual provision, majesty, and faithfulness, and they encourage us to be strong and resilient in the face of adversity. My friend, we need this word today. The cedars of Lebanon are coniferous trees that were once abundant in the mountains of Lebanon. They're mentioned over 70 times in the Bible and are often used as a symbol of strength, majesty, and resilience. The cedars of Lebanon were known for their size and grandeur. They could grow to be over 100 feet tall, and their branches could spread out for over 100 feet. This made them a popular choice for building materials, and they were used in the construction of Solomon's Temple, the Royal Palace, and other important buildings. They can grow in rocky soil and survive cold winters and hot summers. This made them a symbol of hope and perseverance, and they were often used to represent the people of Israel. The cedars of Lebanon were also seen as a symbol of God's power. Their size and grandeur were a reminder of God's majesty and their resilience was a reminder of God's faithfulness. Man did not plant the cedars of Lebanon, and they did not plant themselves, but God planted them. Our Heavenly Father also supplies them and all the trees of the planet with water and nourishment. The dew of heaven is its portion, and the God of heaven is its fountain. Lebanon's cedars are also symbolic of the Christian, and that they owe their planting entirely to the Lord. This is quite true of every child of God. He is not man-planted, nor self-planted, but God-planted. The mysterious hand of the divine spirit dropped the living seed of the divine life into a heart which he had himself prepared for its reception. Every true heir of heaven has the great gardener as his planter. Moreover, the cedars of Lebanon are not dependent upon man for their watering. They stand on the lofty rock, unmoistened by human irrigation, and yet our Heavenly Father supplies them. So it is with the Christian who has learned to live by faith. He's independent of man, even in earthly things. For his continued maintenance, he looks to the Lord his God and to him alone. The dew of heaven is his portion, and the God of heaven is his fountain. Again, the cedars of Lebanon are not protected by any mortal power. They owe nothing to man for their preservation from stormy wind and cyclone. They are God's trees kept and preserved by Him and by Him alone. Let me repeat this again because this message is timely, my friend. This is the truth of Almighty God. They are God's trees, kept and preserved by Him and by Him alone. It is precisely the same with the Christian. He is not a greenhouse plant, sheltered from temptation. 
He stands in the most exposed position. He has no shelter, no protection, except this, that the broad wings of the eternal God always cover the cedars which he himself has planted. Like cedars, Christian believers are full of sap, having vitality enough to be evergreen, even amid winter's snows. I doubt you've ever stopped to give tree sap much thought. Think about the created miracle that tree sap is. Sap is an essential part of the tree's life cycle, and it plays an important role in the tree's health and survival. Tree sap is a fluid that transports nutrients and minerals throughout the tree. It's made up of water, sugars, amino acids, and other nutrients. Sap is essential for the tree's growth and survival. It is produced in the leaves. Did you know that? It's produced in the leaves and then transported down the tree throughout a network of tubes called xylem. There are two main types of sap, xylem sap and phloem sap. Xylem sap transports water and minerals up from the roots to the leaves. Phloem sap transports sugars and amino acids from the leaves to the rest of the tree. Think about it, my friend. Did that just evolve? That is absurd to think that this complex system contained in every tree on the planet just happened. In addition, sap provides the tree with energy it needs to grow and thrive and can help to protect the tree from pests and diseases. The flourishing and majestic condition of the cedar is to the praise of God only. That's a catch, my friend. The flourishing and majestic condition of the cedar is to the praise of God only. The Lord alone has been everything to the cedars. As King David very beautifully puts it in one of the Psalms, Praise all of you the Lord, fruitful trees and all cedars. In the believer there is nothing that can magnify man. He is planted, nourished, and protected by the Lord's own hand, and to him let all the glory be ascribed. My friend, the entire discussion on climate change is an insult to the Creator God. It is an assault on His powerful, perpetual care that He renders to every living thing on the earth. My friend, the reason why I'm saying this so precisely and definitely is because this is a truth of God that has been abandoned by our world. And then we wonder why all hell has broken loose in Israel. We wonder why the very trees of Lebanon are almost non-existent, if they exist at all anymore, because of all the warring because of all the destruction, because of all the hate that continues to fly through the air. Why? Because we have forsaken the Creator God. So, my friend, the entire discussion on climate change is an insult to the Creator God. It's an assault on His powerful, perpetual care that He renders to every living thing on the earth, from the smallest microorganism to the tallest redwood tree. Climate change is a glorification of man as if he can do anything to sustain all the needs of all living things on the entire planet. And it leaves man, once he goes to this extreme, it leaves man impotent to gain the real strength and sustenance that he can't provide for himself. When a person cuts the Creator God out of the picture, it is like taking a knife and gouging a deep groove around the entire circumference of a tree at ground level. If a person cuts a tree around the entire circumference, severing the cambium layer, the tree will eventually die. Think about how this scientific fact speaks to our hearts today. The cambium layer is a thin layer of tissue that lies between the bark and the wood. It's responsible for producing new cells that allow the tree to grow in diameter. Without the cambium layer, the tree will not be able to transport nutrients and water up from the roots to the leaves 
and it will eventually starve to death. The exact time it takes for a tree to die after the cambium layer is severed depends on several factors, including the species of the tree, the size of the tree, and the time of year. In general, smaller trees and trees that are stressed or unhealthy will die more quickly than larger trees and trees that are healthy. Friend, all the world frenzy about climate change will not produce instant death in a human being or a culture. The total impact of the continued assault against the truth that there is a creator God who is owner and sustainer of the planet and the universe takes time to result in the death of a culture and the collapse of a human mind. My friend, you take these thoughts to their complete extreme and it is the result of the collapse of the human mind. But as a person or a culture go headlong into Darwinism, the total collapse is secure. It's not in doubt. It will take place. Learn this lesson from what happens to a tree after the cambium layer is severed. The tree will stop producing new growth. Look at the United States of America. Presently, the government is reporting that the GDP is at almost 4%. But if you look at what is driving the growth, consumer debt has reached an all-time high of over a trillion dollars, and the federal government is about $35 trillion in debt. So the appearance of massive growth of this tree we call the U.S. economy is actually a freefall into the destruction of overwhelming debt. The leaves will turn yellow and brown and fall off. The bark will dry out and crack. The wood will become brittle. The tree will eventually collapse. In some cases, a tree may be able to survive for a few years after the cambium layer is severed. However, mark this down. The tree will eventually die unless it is able to produce new growth. In John chapter 15, verses 1 through 8, Jesus puts it this way. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. Isn't that something? I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes, and he prunes every branch that produces fruit, so that it will produce more fruit. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I in you. Just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself, unless it remains on the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit, because you can do nothing without me. If anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown aside like a branch and he withers. They gather them, throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. And with that, my friend, I bid you peace.